0: me invite you to open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verse 12 this morning, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. If you haven't brought a Bible with you, our passage this morning is found on page 61 in the pew Bibles, in the pew racks in front of you. After a little bit of uh, hiatus, we are returning to the uh, ten commandments. We are uh, turning this morning to what is called the second table of the law. The first table have to do with those commandments directly related to uh, God, having no other gods before me, not making uh, before God. as God said, you shall have no other gods before me, not making, for yourself carved images, not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The second relate to uh, have to do with relating to one another. And today in particular we look at the fifth commandment. So let's look at Exodus chapter twenty verse twelve honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you amen here ends this reading of God's word let's go to him in prayer our father we pray that you would come and you would write your word on our hearts that you would encourage that you would convict that you would challenge, that you would use your word to change us this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone has said youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. What modern person said that? Well, actually, it was Socrates who lived 400 years before Jesus Christ. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We are, in fact, in many ways living in different times. In fact, these are very serious times in terms of the family. The nuclear family is being undercut in our days, and that is a significantly uh, serious thing. Several years ago, uh, Annie Gottlieb, who was a 1960s activist, many of you may remember her, writer, still uh, writes some today, uh, wrote this. Uh, She wrote of the 60s, in some ways when her career was just getting started, we may not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on it. And we believe that the family was the foundation of the state, as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believe that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage done when the atom was split to release energy. And the first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. And Phil Reichen, I got that quote from his commentary, he goes on to say this, What makes Gottlieb's analysis so chilling is the connection she draws between the family and the state. She's right, Reichen says. The way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. And the way children can destroy the family is by disobeying their parents historians sociologists say that cultural revolutions basically take place every 40 to 50 years and indeed the 60s to the 70 early 70s we saw a some kind of cultural revolution. We are in the days where we are seeing another one in in different ways. Many ways it is now being fostered by big tech and corporations in our day. In fact, we won't go into it in detail, but uh, Carl Truman and Rod Dreher's recent books have pointed a finger and put a finger on the undercutting of the family and the public usurping of authority uh, that once belonged in the family. In fact, uh, Dreyer's recent work has compared uh, the uh, corporations to uh, totalitarian societies. We are, once again, in a certain kind of social upheaval, a lot of it driven by corporations today, but they affect the family particularly. As we come to the second table of the law, we see that significantly it begins with what? Honor your father and mother. That's what it begins. How we treat one another begins with the command to honor your father and mother. It begins with the family. Why? Because God is teaching that this is the foundation of society, the family. The summation of the law, as we've seen, as we approach the Ten Commandments, we are to love the Lord God with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves All right this twofold command the summation of the 10 commandments love god and love our neighbor so the fifth command in many ways has a link with the first four commandments we love god and now this fifth commandment is a transitional commandment we honor god by honoring those in his place, his earthly representatives, those whom God has placed in authority as human beings over us. Really, this is the the foundation of all human relationships. And God gives this first place of importance in this second table of the law. In fact, we could say, if we get this one right, the first, fifth commandment right, the others will fall into place. Generally, the others will fall into place. So let's look at this, this commandment, this fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor. What does this word honor mean? The Hebrew word actually is, uh, I'll throw it out there for you, the word kaved is the Hebrew word. Literally, it means to be weighty, to be heavy. That's oftentimes what this Hebrew word or group of words means. In other contexts, it means to make heavy. Dr. Currid, uh, former RTS Charlotte uh, professor, good friend to this congregation, writes in his commentary, in other words, this command means this, we are not to take our parents lightly. We are to respond to them with seriousness, to value them, to give weight to their instructions, their words, their advice, their position. In the Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Old Testament, this word, uh, kaved, honor, is used only of God and parents. We're not to honor anything else, at least in the first five books of the Bible. The only things that said we are to honor are God and our parents. We're to respect, to esteem, to value. Now on the one hand, we could give very, we could give many practical reasons for this. Why do we honor our Father? And our mother. And of course, there are exceptions to this. We have orphans. We have those who have been abandoned, etc., etc. But in general, there are practical reasons for this. Parents have raised you. Parents have cared for you. Parents have made sacrifices for you. Parents have lived longer than you have. They have a wealth of experience that you don't have. Maturity and wisdom. In our age, it seems like uh, for many people, the, the longer you live, the older you get, the dumber you get. And there's also here a practical side and that there's a promise given for honoring your parents and obeying your parents. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But the bottom line is it's a command that's given by God. It is pleasing to God, and at the end of the day, it is good for us, as all of God's commandments are good for us. In fact, it was really good for the ancient Israelites. If you look in your Bible, if, if you have to turn the page or whatever, over, over to chapter 21, verse 17. You don't want to do this especially. 21:17 Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death under Old Testament law that's also repeated in the book of Leviticus. Now of course that's not legal today. Parents I don't recommend this. But God takes this command seriously to honor father and mother. The dishonoring of parents, in other words, scripture basically teaches leads to the ruin of our lives. The ruin of our lives, or at least to the detriment of it. Jay Packer, in his book on the Ten Commandments, writes: "When we, when we do not honor our parents, when we fail to honor our parents, we forfeit maturity. Forfeit maturity, and more than this, as with other commandments, as we've seen." And we'll see as we continue through the commandments, there is a, a broader application to this commandment. It extends to those uh, in authority, uh, those larger authority in, in, in culture. The word father, by the way, is, is used in a larger uh, sense, a more wide sense in the Old Testament. And our catechisms Uh, our, our Westminster catechisms point this out the Heidelberg catechism points this out as well. The Westminster Larger Catechism says this, by father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. That is our political leaders. The Heidelberg Uh, catechism says this, that the fifth commandment requires that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. It's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? There are other places where God commands us to honor authority. And that falls under the fifth commandment. Peter says in 1st Peter, honor the emperor. You know who the emperor was when Peter wrote those words? Nero. Is there anyone you would not want to honor? <laughs> Any worse than Nero? Honor the emperor. One place that we often go wrong as parents is that we dishonor. We talk down about our leaders to our kids. And then we expect them to turn around and honor us talk down to our kids about our leaders, and then we expect them to honor us. That should not be. That cannot be. You know, polls show that in America, one half of Americans, one half of Americans, believe that they have no responsibility to care for their parents in old age. One half. No responsibility to care for their parents in old age. That is astounding. That's astounding. Jesus takes the Pharisees to task for refusing to care for parents in old age, to turn away from Caring for their parents in old age. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says to the Pharisees, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Or as Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has, a, has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Care for our elderly, widows, older parents. Gordon Ketty and his work on the Ten Commandments, it tells of a friend who is a missionary to the Ojibwe uh, people. And uh, this friend said that one told him this, in, in our culture, we have elders. You only have senior citizens we have elders, you only have senior citizens. Several years ago, there was a title cover, pay, cover of a magazine. It was a magazine for teenage girls. And on the cover, the cover read this. Do you really hate your parents like who doesn't? You need to nip that in the bud. Nip that in the bud. Now, this goes hand in hand with the teaching of Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. Quickly turn there with me. Ah, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. Turn to the New Testament. We're not going to spend a ton of time here. Ephesians chapter 6. Honoring goes hand in hand with what Paul says, as he's going to show us, to obey. Ephesians 6 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. We need to teach our children not only to honor, but first and foremost, we teach them to obey. That's crucial. It begins when they're young. It is not cute. It is not cute. Even when the youngest child shows his sinful nature, her sinful nature in rebellion. We parents need to nip it in the bud right from the very beginning right from the very beginning. It's not cute. It's not fun. It's not funny. The sinful nature shows itself early on. And we need to nip it in the bud. Obey here, in chapter 6, verse 1, has a different connotation than honor. Uh, Literally, the word to obey means to hear under. The Greek word, literally, hear under. Under to hear and to submit. One Greek lexicon defines it this way, obey on the basis of having paid attention to. Obey on the basis of having paid attention to. I remember having these interactions with my mom when I was a child. My mom would say, she would tell me something, Or tell me to do something, and then she would say, do you hear me? And I said, yes, I hear you. No, do you hear me? Okay, yes, mom. And I'd get on with it. True obedience means obey without challenge. It means to obey joyfully, not grudgingly. Half-hearted obedience is not true obedience. And parents should not be satisfied with half-hearted obedience. Note here, it is you obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There is a, a chain of command. Again, the fifth command linked to One to four. Parents are the God-given authority. Parents are the God-given authority. As James Boyce says, to teach a child to obey the parent is to teach the child to obey God. To teach the child to obey God as long as it's a good and proper command. It also means first time obedience. First time obedience—that's what obedience requires. Not counting to three. Not repeating. You give a command. You tell your child to do something. He or she needs to do it. Elizabeth Elliot tells the story and emphasizing this of. A child, I'm not sure if it's a true story or if it's just a story, but it's a good one. Of A child on the train tracks. A mother seeing a child on the train tracks and seeing a train coming. Not enough time and for the child to get off the tracks. But the mother yelling the, to the child, lie down which the child does as the train goes over the top of the child and the child survives. Lie down. If the child says, why, Mom? Not a good result. No wise obedience. Why? Children must learn to obey parents. Because ultimately, it's about learning to obey God. Learning to obey God. Oftentimes, we are slow to obey God because we have been slow to obey parents. We don't obey God because we never really learned to obey our parents. It's in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, as obedience to the Lord, as long as it's not contrary to the word of God. And as Paul says here, for this is right. It's according to God's word. It's according to God's structure of authority. We are both to honor and obey parents and God. And it is the right way to live It is good for us. It is good for us because this is the way that God has ordained it. Elsewhere, Scripture indicates that disobedience is a sign of decadence. One of the signs of of decadence. You, You see it in incredible places. Romans chapter 1 lays out this 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 list of of human sin that includes decadent things Romans 1:29 They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Wow, how did that get in there? That's a minor sin, isn't it? Not to Paul. Not to God. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, right in the middle, disobedient to parents once again. It's a sign of decadence. And we let that go on in our homes. Sometimes we see rebellion as just a part of growing up. And it's one of the worst sins that we can commit, Scripture tells us. And it has lasting influences in our lives. Parents, watch for influences that undercut your authority. Watch your own attitudes toward authority. That's important. How do you talk about leaders? How do you talk about leaders? Parents don't undercut each other's authority. Father and mother, it happens all the time. How are your children supposed to react and live in that kind of situation? And especially don't misuse your authority in the home. When needed, use loving authority. When needed, use loving discipline. Set a godly example. When we don't set a godly example, you need to be willing to humble yourself and ask forgiveness of your children. Don't be too proud to do that. When you are wrong, you need to be willing to ask forgiveness of your children. At the end of the day, there is a blessing that God gives In this commandment, Ephesians 6, that it may go well with you. Or as Exodus 20 says, that your days may be long. In other words, the experience of the fullness of God's blessing. Why is there a promise of reward with this command? You know why? Because it's so hard to do it. It's so hard to do it. We're sinners living together in the same house, under the same roof. It's so hard to do it. So hard for parent, uh, children. So hard for parents to parent rightly. But by God's grace, we press on, living together. As sinners. I often would say to my kids when they were in a particularly rebellious stage of life. Luke never was, by the way, so don't think I'm talking about Luke. (laughs) I would often say, if you don't learn to obey, you're going to have a very hard life. Very hard life. Sometimes they need that kind of instruction, but ultimately the goal is that they honor God, love God, obey God. The good news is there was one perfect child. There was one perfect child, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, the one perfect child who perfectly obeyed his father, the heavenly father. He honored and obeyed his father when, even when it looked like on one occasion, he did not obey his earthly parents. At the age of 12, he his family went to Jerusalem for a Passover and he stayed beso- behind and his Parents were worried about him and they looked for him and they finally found him in the temple and they said to him, why have you treated us this way? And Jesus responded as a 12-year-old, do you not, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I must do my father's will. And ultimately he did that on the cross. Let me use this to transition now as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning. Jesus, that perfect child, that perfect son of God, submitted himself to the Father's will. He said, not my will, but your will be done. As he prayed in the garden, his sweat was like, Drops of blood as he prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Remove this cup, take this cup from me. That cup was the cup of God's wrath. It's Old Testament imagery, the cup of God's wrath being overturned and poured out On sinners and rebellion. And Jesus took God's wrath on Himself that we sinners, we commandment breakers, deserve ourselves. And so we come this morning to celebrate this supper because Christ perfectly kept God's commands. And he especially kept perfectly the fifth command to honor his father, to obey his father, even to death on the cross. This supper this morning is for all who are trusting Christ, who are members of a Bible-believing church. This includes children who believe in Christ and have made a public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for those children who may be believers, but who have not yet met with the elders, who have not yet made a public profession of faith, parents use this opportunity to teach your children the importance not only of believing, but also of professing the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But for all who are trusting Christ, who are a member of his church, come this morning to receive this sacrament, uh, this uh, supper, as we gather together uh, today to be strengthened by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to our God in prayer. Father, how we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercies to sinners. Our God, we thank you for your word, for your law, that not only teaches us what you desire, but also, God, convicts us of our sin. And so, God, we pray that you would help us by your grace to grow in grace, to grow in obedience, to grow in our love for you, Now we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave himself for all of our sins that we might know you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.